The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, boys, this is the Pick 6 Podcast, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends. That's Will Brenton. That's Johnny Breach. I'm Wilson. And this is the Sunday Night Super Friends Week 5 NFL Recap 2023 edition. All right, so here's the plan. If you don't know by now, we're going to hit our top 10 takeaways from Week 5, the biggest storylines, the best players, the top plays, and some disappointing results if you're a Cowboys fan. But first... <laughs> Wank, wank. Remember to give us a thumbs up if you're watching on the old YouTube at NFL on CBS. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right, let's do it, boys. First up, going to Breach's old neck of the woods, Santa Clara, California, where the Cowboys have yet Breach to bot. get off the bus. What's that, Breach? Breach bot 3000. No, of course, that was you. <laughs> uh, the 49ers and future Hall of Famer Brock Purdy look to be unbeatable which is crazy to say because we're talking about Brock Purdy, no longer Mr. Relevant. So, Brinson, before uh, we talk about the winners here, what are we to make of Dak Prescott, who has a history of not showing up in the big moments? Is that fair here, or does uh, some of the cre- uh, some of the blame, I should say, go to the defense and Dan Quinn? Yeah, I mean, the we're recording this with around th- four, three to four minutes left in the game because it's such a blowout. We started the, the show early, and – uh, Sunday Night Football is focusing on John, three minutes left in the game. Sunday Night Football is focusing on John Lynch high-fiving everyone on the bench because he already got down to the sideline as the 49ers, the 49ers GM, obviously. Kyle Shanahan still grinding out there, but it's 42-10. to 10. This is, I mean, to me, what this game is, isn't about a failure of the Cowboys offense or the Cowboys defense. It's about the 49ers letting the Cowboys know that there's an upper echelon of NFC teams and that you're going to need to stand in the line and give the bouncer $20 if you want to come in because the only people allowed in otherwise from a, from the VIP from the VIP line where you bypass the bouncer, you bypass all the jabronis standing up front trying to get in the club. The only teams allowed in are the Niners, the Eagles, and the Detroit Lions. 
So, Breach, let me let me put it to you this way. Dak threw 15 interceptions last year, only played 12 games. Didn't look great tonight. And you could say the defense has been, quote-unquote, dominant, but they were defensive men's against the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots. So, And, of course, the Cardinals team they couldn't beat. Where are you on Dak and maybe the Cowboys overall? Well, I'll say, first of all, if this was a measuring stick game, the 49ers took the measuring stick, broke over the Cowboys' head, and then beat them with it. I mean, that's what kind of game this was. And if you're a Cowboys fan, the last thing you want to see is Dak Prescott getting thoroughly outplayed by the last pick in the NFL draft. Brock Purdy was so much better. I'm sure if you ask a Cowboys fan, would they rather have Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy for the rest of the season? I have to think most of them probably pick Brock Purdy. And we're talking about a quarterback and and Dak who's been there since 2016. But as someone who had to watch a quarterback get his team to the playoffs uh, five straight seasons and not win a single playoff game, Dak is definitely kind of emitting some Andy Dalton qualities out here where uh, he's more talented than Andy Dalton. But I'm talking about you see a ceiling. You see a ceiling where Dak can get this team to the playoffs. Can he get them to the next level? Can he get them to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure he can. I don't think he can beat a team like the 49ers. He struggles every time he plays. And whenever they're in these big situations, and look, the coaching was horrible. The plays, the receivers couldn't get open. That's on Mike McCarthy for not coming up with a better game plan. So this is not all on Dak Prescott. I think Mike McCarthy was equally bad here. Uh, But man, if I'm uh, Jerry Jones and I want to win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, I'm not sure I can do it with Dak. That doesn't mean they should get rid of him because he can get them to the playoffs every year. But if I want that Super Bowl, I'm not sure I can do it with Dak. So two two real quick follow-ups here. One, um, I mentioned that this was, well, in my quarterback tiers, I did this offseason. I had, I got caught so much crap for putting Dak below Daniel Jones. And like the whole thing was you had to read the tiers. I didn't think Dak was worse than Daniel Jones. I just put Dak in the same ceiling as the other guys who had a, like a ceiling. Like you were not going to get, like you just know who Dak is and you know what Dak's going to be and you know what Dak is going to do for the entire season. Like, but you, you, you don't feel like there's some untapped upside. Like for, for instance, like with Daniel Jones before the season, we didn't know what Daniel Jones would be. He might stink. He might take a, he might take a leap. Similarly, like, but, but Dak, Dak is like decent floor, decent ceiling. And that's where we are. And, I, I also think like isn't it Andy Dalton though to Breach's point? Yeah, he's a rich man's Andy Dalton. That's not a good spot to be. It is well, not. you acted like that's worse. Could be like Matt Corral. I think that um, I mean, you know, Dalton's not a bad comp no. for being in terms of. I mean, that, 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 did, that did fall to like the fifth round for a reason. Like, yeah, it all feels stuff. That's why it fell. Wait, what? Dak. Dax, Dax cleans a whistle off the field. No, coming out, he had off-field stuff. That's why he fell. I don't think that's true, but we, we can okay. move on. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're feel free to look it up. I mean, that's why I fell. That's, that's not, that's not a mystery. Like we knew that. Uh, okay. He but, got um, jumped on spring break when you're at Mississippi state. I remember that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think Dak had any off field stuff. Yeah. I think he had a DUI. I think he had something come up, uh, right before, right around the, the during the draft process that spring. Is this but how again, you got your, okay. Okay. Anyway, moving on. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's easy to make, you know, point the finger at Dak and obviously Mike McCarthy because I like to certainly call it Mike McCarthy time and time again. But is this also a case where this is just week one of the Bills getting outclassed by the Jets? Or is this a, a case where we have to be concerned? Again, they play in the NFC, so it's not like they're going to be a, a long line of teams, although, Brinson, as you mentioned, 
Um, <laughs> the 49ers are there. Uh, the Detroit Lions are there. So there's competition. But I don't know. What do you take away from this once you go back to the locker room and have to figure out how to put the pieces back together? I, I, I think if you're the uh, the other thing I was going to mention too that I forgot was that this was like a sneaky Kyle Shanahan revenge game against Dan Quinn because like Kyle Shanahan took all the blame for that Falcons Super Bowl loss and like he definitely believes that Dan Quinn's defense coughed up enough points to let the Patriots come back and he just dropped a forty burger on Dan Quinn's face. But I, I think if you're the Cowboys, you are you are very much in pick up the pieces mode. You're three and two. You're fine. You're don't feel like you're going to win the division because the Eagles are off to this great start. Um, you do feel like you're a playoff team because the NFC is such is just you know sort of staggered in in a way that you feel like you're in good shape. But there are some surprising teams popping up, whether the Buccaneers or the Rams. And at the same time, you you're like, okay, we're a playoff team, but how how are we like? Like, I think that you walk away from this game as, as a as a member of the Cowboys, wondering, are we good enough to compete with the best teams in our conference and actually make it to the Super Bowl, which is the goal we had before the season? Breach bot says no. Oh God, I know. I've turned. I've turned on the. I've malfunctioned. Cowboys turned on the Cowboys. But you know, what? if you're the oh, Cowboys, you know? though, you're thinking. Being the second best team in the NFC East isn't the worst thing. You get the five seed again. You play an NFC South team in the first round of the playoffs. You get your playoff win. You lose in the divisional round and call it a year. <laughs> that's, that's so, like, do that now, and then you can take off Thanksgiving, spend it with your family, and get on with your, your end of you're, uh, you're like the guy who like shows up the course. You're like, look, I'm just trying to shoot a 110 and just really keep moving on. And like, <laughs> you guys tell me how much I owe you for beers. Like, let's go. So, you're done with the Cowboys breach? Is that, let me hear you correctly. No, I'm not. Look, if you look at the Cowboys' schedule, they can beat, I think, any team that's left on it except for the AFC teams. I think they will, because they, they play the Bills, the Dolphins, the Chargers. I think they'll struggle with all those teams. They might win one of those, but I think they can beat the rest of the NFC teams on their schedule. I think they can split with the Eagles. So by no means are they done. They're going to get 11 or 12 wins and make the playoffs. I just don't think they have a shot at getting the Super Bowl. And I picked them to get the Super Bowl. I'm off the Super Bowl bandwagon. Oh, I still this think they get to the playoffs. No Super Bowl. Uh, well, by the way, if you told Cowboys fans before this game, you held uh, Chris McCaffrey to 2.7 yards per carry and 27 receiving yards. Do you think that they think they would be like, oh, that's cool. We lost 42 to 10. <laughs> I mean, my God. Well, no, they'd be thrilled. They'd be like, whoa, do we lose in overtime? Or what they'd, be, they'd, be like, yeah. they'd be like, oh, I guess I guess the score is like 13 to 10 us. It's like, no, you actually scored 10 and they scored 42. Uh, Brock Purdy, man, he's just, he might be Tom Brady 2.0. Like, I mean, like where, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, he's going to be the greatest quarterback ever to play football. Just that he has this innate ability to, hit the throws he needs to hit. He understands Kyle Shanahan's offense perfectly. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe a better example is like, he's a souped up Jimmy G. No, I think you were closer the first time. I, I never was on Jimmy G. I think Tom Brady's the thing I was thinking about. And to come back to your points, breach Brock Purdy probably looks more like Dak Prescott. If he's playing for Mike McCarthy, I think this is just a perfect marriage of coach and guy. Dude, he's what, locked dude, in and flip, super what smart. If you flip, really what if you flip quarterbacks? And Dak is with the Niners. Dak is a all like MVP multiple times. Yeah, I mean, you you would imagine. Um, and Bree sort of touched on it. it. It feels like Mike McCarthy's not putting Dak in position to have success. And I don't want to blame this all on Mike McCarthy. Dak did throw the three interceptions, but I don't know, man. I I just I never got the Mike McCarthy hired. I know he took the gear off and spent a lot of time at you know at PFF looking at analytics and. It, <laughs> 
It's, <laughs> a, a, a leopard doesn't change his spots is all I'm saying. And right. they look, I don't know what there's no team on planet Earth that's currently going to go in to Levi Stadium. If it's still called that, go to Santa Clara and, and beat this 49ers team the way they're currently constituted. And Collinsworth talked about it a bunch. And he said, basically, everyone plays the same position on offense. Like, all five eligibles can do anything. And that's the problem. Like, when you can't cover anyone, when Kyle Juszczyk out of Harvard, which apparently is a pretty good school, is out there running over people, running, you know, Christian McCaffrey routes, and Brandon Ayuk is, or at least Debo Samuels, running the ball out of the backfield. You don't have any answers. And dudes are falling left and right, getting hurt uh, on the on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't – if they were fully healthy, I still think this game – is probably three touchdowns. Like, I don't know how you solve this puzzle. Uh, is there any chance the 49ers go undefeated? It was domination. Is there any chance the 49ers go undefeated? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd imagine they'd lose, but show me the team that's playing better than they are right now. The only, the only question we had about the 49ers coming this season was, can Brock Purdy be a good enough quarterback and the only reason we asked it was we have a small sample size result of what he'd done and he suffered a UCL injury. And the issue was like, that's Tommy John. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, we don't, we just don't know. Like there were a lot of interceptable passes last year and he's still been lucky this year, but he just has this like panache. This like, he has like the it factor and if he plays the way he's played for the first five weeks of the season over the course of an entire year, um, he will one be in the MVP discussion, and two, like yes, they could run the table, but I don't think they will. Preach to the Cowboys make the playoffs. Yes, yes. do they uh, yeah. win a playoff game? Uh, if they get that five seed and get to play an NFC South team in the wild card round, uh, I, I like their chances. Doesn't mean they will, uh, but. Cow- Cowboys Bucks 7.0, like like yeah, the exactly. 18 time they played in the last five years. I don't know, man. I might take Baker in that game. Uh, uh, no, I would too. All right, let's move on. Here we go. Going to Jolly Old England. Where the Jags have spent the past two weeks filling up on fish and chips, sausage and mash, corners, pasties, and of course, some Falcons and Buffalo. See how I did that? All right, Breach. I hate to bring this up, but one of Brinson's bowl predictions before the season was that the Jags would finish as the number one seed in the AFC. After five games, how do we feel about their this, this team after they beat the brakes off of a, of a Bills team who looked like they literally just got off the plane? Yeah, the Bills look like the. How, how do you not? How do you not set breach up for? Did the Bills screw up their travel schedule? By the way, yeah, I'm the I travel gonna, schedule I was follow up with that, but sure. Well, that's just where I'm going to start. I'm I'm just okay, going to ignore the that. first part of the question so that I don't have to give Brenton any credit because we the Jags are looking good right now. I don't know why any team at this point is flying into London on Friday morning when you have a five-hour time difference from the East Coast. You need at least the first two days to adjust. And by the time you wake up Sunday, you're still dead. You do, look, the, the, the Bills look totally jet-lagged out they there. And that's, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I want to I want to tell you what Sean McDermott said after the game because <laughs> this is how the uh, Matthew Fairburn and the Athletics started his story after the the whooping they took. During the week, Sean McDermott deferred to a sports science department when asked about the Bills' travel plans, and then Sean went on to say, "We need to evaluate everything because I didn't feel like our energy was good enough early in the game." So, are you firing the sports science department? Hey, yes. Sean, fire the sports science department. Hire me. Hire Brinson. Hire Wilson because we say this every year. Go to one at the beginning of the week. The Jaguars, they had a vacation out there. They've been out there for 10 days, and they're just beating the tails off of everyone because they know how to do this London thing because they do it every year. So 
I hate that this is taking a little bit of credit away from what Jacksonville did in this game because they were dominant and they were absolutely the better team. But it is, like Ryan said, it looked like Buffalo had just gotten off the plane. The first three quarters, it looked like they were playing with cement weights on their feet. I mean, it mm -hmm. was just that bad. So, I, I like, I give Jacksonville all the credit for winning this game. I don't really, you know, I'm not going to look at the Bills and say, oh, they're bad because they lost to Jacksonville. But to answer your first question, are they a team that could become the number one seed, as our friend Will Brinson predicted at the beginning of the season? I mean, you have to feel a little bit better about it. I still don't think they're going to get there. I just, there's too many good teams and the Chiefs are still good. So yeah, I don't think they're going to be number one overall, but I think they'll make the playoffs. Well, and what will be interesting too, the Jaguars get the Colts this coming week. Anthony Richardson, I mean, I'd be shocked if he played given the injury. We'll get to the AFC South later, but um, I'm curious to see how the Jaguars look after two weeks in London, adjusting to being in London and then coming back to America with no bye week and trying to readjust to that, that time, that time schedule. And I think it's in Indy. So that, that'll be, uh, in Jacksonville, oh, Jacksonville. Sorry. Yeah. So that, that's, that's better, I guess, by you know, from a, you get home, you don't have to travel somewhere else schedule. Um, but th that, that game to me will be interesting, especially Gardner Minshew revenge game on the bills. I, I really do think that, Man, like I don't know that we can undersell how dumb a decision it was to fly in Friday. Like they fall on the science, according to Sean. I, I mean, who Harry, came up toss, with Harry, toss a graphic up again of the last two times that the Bills have been in London. And let's look, look at these numbers. Josh Allen talked about chugging coffee. He doesn't even drink coffee. I'm just saying, it's like look at this. You lose nine to six against the Jaguars in 2021. Allen's 31 to 47, zero touchdowns, three picks. This year. You lose 25 to 20. Allen's 27 to 40, throws three touchdowns and has a pick. And like, I don't know that I, I, but I think that like watching this game, my takeaway was Buffalo looks like Buffalo looks like a team. It'd be like if, it'd be like if you're the, like, are the Bills and Jaguars are playing on a neutral field, but the Bills have to take Tylenol PMs. Like, that's what it looked like is the Bills were like sluggish and like, rah, rah, rah. And, the, and the Jaguars just looked like a team that was well adjusted to it. I also think the Jack, look, 2 0 in London is huge for the Jaguars. They're in a really good spot. We'll talk about the AFC South more. But I think that for me, the big takeaway is I'm not going to panic on this, but I do worry about some of the Bills' injuries on defense that are sort of mounting up because that defense has been the number one defense by DVOA, according to uh, FTN fantasy i guess which is where aaron shots is now uh throughout the first four weeks of the season bill's offense is i, I thought it was still pretty good but but definitely lethargic yeah matt milano left with a knee he's injury they think he's Daquan over the year. jones one second here daquan jones left left with a peck injury and sean mcdermott said after the game that daquan's injury did not look good so that's certainly matt milano is one of their best players so that's certainly they, they think they think matt milano is done for the year okay so that's well, that's that's and Micah Hyde's banged up, Tredavious White Achilles injury. I mean, like that's some major major injuries for a Bills defense that is like that defense makes it the Bills one of the best teams in the league. And Kyrie Elam last year's first round pick, the cornerback out of Florida, they pulled him late in the game, and that's that's not a good look. The the guy the guy that replaced him was just called it from the practice squad, and Sean McDermott said we just want to get some some other bodies in there. That's not what you want to hear. When you are already down Trey White. The good news of the Bills is they will not need their defense for the next two games because they play the Giants and the Patriots. That is fair. And they, oh at least they're not playing the Bengals. Yep. Zing. That's in four weeks. Oh, man. The the, the Giants and, the, and Daniel Jones has a neck injury. Speaking of the Bengals. You're welcome. Breach, we'll let you gloat here. 
I thought that the Cardinals had a chance to win this game. Josh Jobs had not thrown an interception all year. He was completing 70% of his passes. We knew that Joe Burrow was not himself, but he suddenly looked to be himself once he got to uh, to Arizona there. And he said after the game, the touchdown, the first touchdown, he threw that laser in the back of the end zone, probably to Jamar Chase because I think he threw 18 touchdowns to Jamar. He said that made him feel like he was pretty close to back. He had a longer scramble late, later in the game. He looked pretty pretty athletic there as well. Are the Bengals still alive? Because I was the one last week talking about, look, man, shut it down. The season's over. And you said, all you got to do is get to the bye. So one down, one to go, right? Get to the bye. And also, as Brenton mentioned in Slack earlier, all my picks suck this week. The only team that came through for me was the Cincinnati Bengals, who I said would dominate this game. And Joe Burrow finally looked like Joe Burrow. I mean, that was the thing is that, look, Number one, he can't throw the deep pass. He had not been able to do it all season. He was two for 22 through four weeks. Uh, he couldn't put a bunch of weight on the cap to throw the deep ball. Well, guess what? He threw an absolute dime uh, on a 63-yard TD, Jamar Chase. So it was huge to see that. Wilson, you mentioned that he scrambled. He had a 10-yard scramble at a key point in this game. Joe Burrow was not that, – that was a that was an element of his game that was just gone this year because of the calf. That's back in play. And then the touchdown pass you're talking about was him kind of dancing around in the pocket and moving around and evading the pass rush and then throwing for a score. That also wasn't there the first four weeks. So this is absolutely the closest Joe Burrow has looked to being Joe Burrow. And here's the thing is that, look, a lot of doom and gloom with the Bengals through the first four weeks. We had it on this podcast. Are the Bengals done? It was a nightmare four weeks. But at the end of the day, we're through five weeks. What's your record? Burrow looks better, and the Bengals are one game out of first place. If you would have told a Bengals fan after week two with Burrow's calf and they're 0-2 that they'd be one game out of first place going after week five, any fan would have taken that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the positive spin that you put on this. Um, Is there you, a negative spin from a 34-20 win? <laughs> well, you, you as a three-point road favorite, beat Josh Dobbs and that beat uh, the Cowboys. That was within one score of the 49ers Listen, last the week. Don't, don't, the transitive property doesn't apply in the NFL, so please don't be trying to use that. Um, you, you beat – is a three-point – look, look. Hey, by the way, shut up. Okay, shut up the, so hey, winning hey. an NFL game by two touchdowns isn't impressive? I picked the Bengals as one of my best bets on the Brinson versus Coach where I'm representing the Pick 6 podcast and currently getting my ass kicked. And he had the Cardinals, so that's a good flip. I'm I picked them. I love I like the Bengals this week a lot. I, I had them in one of my best bets in, on the on the bet show on Thursday. I'm just saying that, like, I, I think here's my concern: the Bengals railroaded the Rams a few weeks ago, and it was, it was Joe Burrow. They went zero and two, and Joe Burrow goes, "We have to win this game. It's a must win game. We cannot lose this game." And he comes out, they play great, and then what happened the next week? They got dog stomped by the Titans. And then this week they're playing. The, stop, breach. This week they're playing. They're playing the. They're playing the, the the Cardinals. By the way, who's supposed to be the worst team in football? And they're starting Josh Dobbs, lose James Conner. Really don't have a whole lot in terms of their roster. And the Bengals win thirty four twenty on the road. Look, double digit touchdown, two touchdown win on the road, always good. But Burrow also said the same thing. We cannot lose this game. This is a must win game. We have to win this game. So my concern is: is there a letdown versus Seahawks? And if there is, do the Bengals then fall to two and four going to the bye? Like, this is good. You won. You look good. Optimism reigns supreme. But if you lose to the Seahawks in week six and go into your bye two and four with the Niners and the Bills coming out of the backside, you, you're kind of in a bad spot. 
Yeah, but I think the takeaway is that Joe Burrow is back, number one, and that's the whole point of the conversation. They could easily lose to the Seahawks. The Seahawks are not a bad football team. Well, I'll say two things to that real quick. Is Number one, the Rams game where they won 19-16. That wasn't a Joe Burrow was back game. He still couldn't throw downfield. He was dinking and dunking the entire time. The defense won that game. Joe Burrow's on steroids. I'm saying he wasn't back in that game. That he How played did he magically football. get back this week, though? Then? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, he didn't re-injure his calf. It, it's healing every week as long as he doesn't have a setback and he hasn't had a setback. It's just called medical science, normal medical science. So, Brent, uh, according to... Which uh, does not believe in, by the way. According to playoffstatus.com... Brent still uses leeches. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do use leeches. I love blood. Uh, according to um, playoffstatus.com, which I found on the old internet here, Breach, how do you feel about at two and three, the Bengals' playoff chances at 24%? Uh, I, I feel... I, they're 0-2 in the division, so that's not ideal, and that's probably why they are so low. But again, they're a game out of first place, and if Burrow's healthy, they feel like the best team in the North. So currently, as it as it stands, the Steelers are in first place in the North. The Ravens are a wild card seed, or Ravens are wild, uh, the sixth seed as a wild card at three and two. The Colts at three and two are the fifth seed, and the Bills are three and two as a seventh seed. Cleveland, L.A., Houston, Tennessee, the Jets, and then the Bengals. Yeah, they're right in the mix. Right. All right. So um, I, I think that's a big win. You, I mean, it's hard not to be a big win. That seems, especially for, and correct me if I'm wrong, Breach. When's the last time they scored a touchdown on the road? Uh, they got their first first half touchdown of the year in this game. It took five weeks for them to score a touchdown in the first half. Uh, right. And, and real quick, shout out to Jamar Chase, who set the franchise record with 15 receptions broke the record held by Carl Pickens. Yeah, that was something else. By the way, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. It's a step in the right direction when NFL retweets the fact that Jamar broke the record and then also retweets the audio and video of him saying, I'm always effing open. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's the message received. Joe Burrow finally got that message because he could actually throw the ball overhand and step into it. Well, let me ask you guys this real quick. Wilson, I'll ask you first since your team is in first place. Oh, do you think your Steelers finish, stay in first place? <laughs> and no. who Next do you think question. wins the division if not? If Burrow's healthy, uh, let's see what they do. But I'll, I'll go with the Ravens. But the Ravens can't quit cannot stop shooting themselves in the foot. And let's go there because Brentson, this team has found ways to lose in overtime to the Colts at home and then found ways to lose on the road to the Steelers. Joey Porter had something like negative 50 interceptions in his college career at Penn State. Somehow he gets an interception <laughs> in the end zone late in the fourth quarter that instead of putting the Ravens up by two scores, gives the ball back to, uh, you don't want to give the ball back to Matt Canada in that situation. And for the first time all season, they throw bombs to George Pickens, who apparently is pretty good, and, and it works uh, works his way into the end zone, and they end up winning that football game. But what are we to make of the Ravens? We just talked about the Bills sort of being hot and cold. We talked about the Cowboys being underwater and freezing in this game in Santa Clara. The Ravens, on paper, with Joe Burrow's injury, are the best team in the division. They play like they're where, you know, deep down inside they want to be the Steelers. I think the, the issue I have with the Ravens is that it feels like what they're doing on offense is purposely intended to get away from Lamar Jackson running the ball because that's what Greg Roman did and try to be this Todd Munkin air raid system without incorporating. Like, so Todd Munkin's brother, Jeff Munkin, is the head coach at Army and runs a triple option. Like, why aren't you running like some triple option and running some air raid and just blending them together? Like, air raid is basically a passing version of the triple option because the, you have one guy who has three decisions to make with like 
in the in the in the triple option is handoffs in the air raid. It's the same routes that you're running every single time. I think that they're like so focused on Lamar Jackson not being a they they not being a running quarterback because they hired this new OC and gave him all this money that they're like kind of limiting themselves offensively instead of like like make Lamar Jackson this massive threat as a run as a runner so teams creep in and then you can go up top on them. It, it, it like it I, I just I think that they're like it's like a accidental hampering of their offense and yeah like dude credit to the Steelers defense they kept him in this I mean I I, I think CBS and I think it was Ian Eagle was on this call I think we cut to Matt Canada more times than NBC cut to Taylor Swift on Sunday night <laughs> they just kept going to these Matt Canada like offensive like coaching box spots and he's just like rubbing his forehead his bald forehead and like just he's like ah. I just really can't figure out what to do. And then lo and behold, the Steelers block a punt, get the ball back. Uh, and and all it could have been a touchdown. I mean, Kenny Pickett's clutch. I no, think Steel, he's, I, he's not clutch. Okay. I think see, I think Kenny Pickett's a gamer who like is not going to be that, that throw to Pickens was sick. Great. He's an NFL quarterback. He's had exactly one he's thrown for two touchdowns in one game exactly once in his career. I, he, Matt he is not Matt, been good. Matt Canada's a problem. Kenny Pickett's a problem too. I've gone back and watched all his throws, and he 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 Kenny got Pickett. hurt last week on on a throw. If he just thrown the ball, he wouldn't have gotten hit. But I mean, yeah. it's not good. The offense he's, stinks. he's not great. He's not great. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what Kenny Pickett didn't do on Sunday against the Steelers? He didn't turn the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. That's true. Because uh, you mentioned Lamar's interception, but he also lost a fumble. Uh, the next possession, and then that set up a Steelers field goal, which essentially iced the game. So, I mean, you can't. The, you Ravens, cannot, the Ravens you gave can't that turn game the ball back twice in the fourth quarter. No, the Ravens and, gave that game back to the Steelers. And Ron Stanley, the left tackle, got whooped to your point breach by Alex Highsmith on that strip sack, and and that didn't help. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, and it's crazy because Steelers have now won six of the last seven of these matchups somehow against the Ravens. This is only the fourth time in nine games that. Uh, Lamar has played because of injury, and I thought there was no way on planet Earth that the Steelers were going to let, let, let alone win, cover the minus four and a half or the plus four and a half they were getting. And here we are just watching some truly ugly football. Luckily, I didn't see every play. I'll go back and watch it at some point when I have. Uh, what, when uh, what, what do you think the odds? And I'm looking up right now, so I, I don't I don't know the exact answer, but I'm going to check. What do you think the odds are for uh, to win the AFC North? Uh, it's in terms the of wins or who's going to do it? Like who? Like who? Like. I would guess I would imagine the, the Ravens. Yeah, Ravens are like plus two hundred, plus two hundred. Ravens, Browns, Steelers, uh, and probably Bengals. Maybe Bengals. Oh, no, the Bengals can't be last. Bengals are second. I bet. Bengals are last. They are what? I'm betting it all right now. This on draft. This on DraftKings. Just got had it open. Ravens are plus one forty. They're the favorite. The Browns are plus two seventy five. The Steelers three and a half to one, and the Bengals plus four seventy five. Yeah. I would. Absolutely bet the Bengals in that spot. You just got finished dog and breach for the Bengals not being very good. Five to back. one. The Bengals were a game back in first place. Give it, give me, give me. With a bye right, coming so you up. Were just, you actually do think that the Bengals. Princeton's back on the Burrow train. Interesting. Interesting. No, I wouldn't. I don't. If the Bengals were minus 125, I wouldn't bet it. But five to one. And they like beat the. Well, Seahawks if you don't think they're going to win, you're just blowing money, though, right? So you have some sense of the you like. I, I think I think I think that they should be somewhere. I think it should be like plus two fifty, not five to one. Well, and you know the one thing about the Ravens is it kind of feels like the AFC's version of the Cowboys, where I'm not sure we know how good they are because of yes, they went in this game with a three and one record, but they're the first game of the season they beat a rookie quarterback making his first career start. 
That was C.J. Stroud. Week two, they beat the Bengals. Joe Burrow has one calf. Their other win was against the Browns when Deshaun Watson decided he couldn't play before the game. So you have another rookie quarterback making his first career yeah. start. So you've beaten two rookies making their first start ever and a quarterback with one calf. So what do we know? We know that they're three and two, and they're not very good. Harry, I missed your messenger. What'd you say? I think he's saying, uh, "Why don't we?" You know, let me. I got. I, I'll. I'll take this one, Wilson. The Patriots. Not only, and I said this on a short that we created. The dynasty, if it wasn't dead, it's dead now. It is six feet in the ground. Bill Belichick has lost four games in his career as Patriots coach by 30 points or more. Two of them happened in the last two weeks. We've seen so much Bailey Zappi. He might as well be young Sheldon on CBS at this point. We Mac Jones is pressing. Bill O'Brien's not calling good plays. There's a bunch of injuries to guys like Matt Judon, et cetera. And the Patriots defense, they like, dude, it's one thing. You go, to, you go to Dallas and you get your ass kicked by the Cowboys. All right. That's a good team. You you bring Derek Carr with a busted wing back to New England and get skunked 34-0 by the Saints, who everyone was like, well, are we sure that this Saints team isn't terrible? This is the largest home shutout loss in Patriots history. It's the largest shutout loss in Bill Belichick's career as a head coach. This is my question for you, Ryan. Is Bill Belichick the head coach of the New England Patriots in week one, 2024? That's a great question. He's, uh, he's 70. This is an absolute train wreck. And the, the, the reality is this. Before and after Tom Brady was with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick was not the Hall of Fame coach he is now. And that's just the truth. And you can spin it any way you want, but that's where we're at. Mac Jones has, to your point, been a disaster. And you can't blame Matt Patricia. Because Matt Patricia's, I don't know what he's doing, spending the money he made last year. He's with the Eagles now. Trying to get um, Mac Jones killed. So you talk about that Cowboys game where, you know, Mac got pulled. Mac got pulled again this game. Bill insists he's going to be the starter next week. And the offensive line sucks. There's injuries along the offensive line. They, for reasons that defy comprehension, didn't draft any tackles, which is what they sorely needed. They kept drafting the interior offensive linemen. They started those rookies in week one against uh, the Eagles and got they got demolished against Jalen Carter. No crime in that, but at some point you have to get better. Mac is not mobile. The wide receivers aren't getting open. Demario Douglas and Juju both got concussed in this game. And the list goes on and on and on. So you can make all the excuses you want. This team sucks. And you, you make a list of teams that you just can't figure out. And it feels like we're seeing some of the worst football that I can recall seeing in such a concentrated period of time. <clears throat> Patriots. Broncos, the Giants, the Bears, even though they, they smoked the, the Commanders, which is a huge win for them. But those teams routinely are the ones you talk about the most. And here's the thing, Breach. Here's the great, here's the great news. This is going to be one of the deepest quarterback classes in recent memory. So all four of these teams could be drafting quarterbacks. But I think the, the question is the race for number one is on, although it could be very well the case that the Panthers never win a football game. Patriots. But I think there could be a lot of changes. No, the Panthers don't win. The Bears get the pick. I mean, yeah, even yeah, the, yeah, the Panthers might never win a game. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if the Patriots get the number one overall pick and take Caleb Williams, do you think Belichick really wants to stick around for that kind of Let rebuild? Let me ask you this. Does Robert Wait, Kraft want him to stick around? I, I, I think that, I mean, Brinson's question was, will he be the coach 
in week one of 2024. And if I had to put a percentage on it, I would put 80% no. I just think that. Wow. Why? He does want to break the record. I'll give you. Why would he want to stick around to just. Go go, what? Like he can do you when you of that 80%, what percent is he's retired and what percent is he's coaching someone else? Well, real quick, if he goes four and 13, there's no guarantee he sets the record next season. It's going to have to be a thing where. So 80% you, he he leaves is what you're saying. I'm, I misunderstood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he leaves. I think he leaves. Yeah, and I okay. think this is like uh, a mutual Phil, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson situation is what I, all I could think of where he won six titles with the Bulls. Then when Jordan was gone, although this wasn't like he got pushed actually, out. where it's Belichick a pretty, good, out pretty good comp, yeah. And then Jackson stayed with the Bulls for two more seasons after Jordan left and was like, yeah, this isn't working. I got to go find some talent and that's how I'm going to win. And that's what it feels like uh, Belichick's going to do. And I see. Oh, dude, what if Belichick coaches the Chargers? Like he goes against Herbert and he's like, he's like, dude, do you know what I will do with this defense? And he's like, and I'm going to bring in, I don't know, I mean, leave Kellen Moore there. I mean, but yeah, that's, I think that's, I think that's very interesting. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you that there's a very good chance that Belichick is not the coach of the Patriots in 2024. Um, I think everybody involved wants him to break uh Don Shula's record with the Patriots but if he if like if he if Belichick took over the Chargers next year he would break Don Shula's record in two years with the Patriots you feel like it might be five <laughs> I don't think they would hire a 71 year old coach especially a defensive coach and that, that's the issue oh, with, how many how many teams are how many teams are how many teams are hiring Bill, like like dumping their coach to hire Bill Belichick if he left the Patriots after this year I think if the available candidates were names like Mike Tomlin, because Steelers fans always want to fire him, Mike Vrabel, because Titans fans, I would imagine, breach are frustrated with him from time to time, and Bill Belichick. What, hold on, Vrabel those, or Hold on, just stop. <laughs> I'll I'll say it in a second. If Tomlin, Vrabel, and Belichick are on the market, I think Belichick will be the last one to get hired. That is a, that is a hot take. Uh, I don't know. I what think Belichick's the first one hired. Wait, wait, you're saying that you okay? So let's take. Um, he's the Bill most conservative. Check. He's the most conservative coach that we don't talk about. Like he, every decision he makes, they <laughs> kick the, the field goal on, they kick, on Earth. They kicked the field goal on fourth and three. They missed. Breach made comment of that. They had fourth and three in the second half. They were down 21 points on on, on the Saints 40. They punted. Are you so? I mean, let's say let's say hypothetically that uh, Andy Reid is like, you know what? I am just tired of coaching Patrick Mahomes in this offense. I kind of want to go like open a Mac and cheese shop, like an art- artisanal Mac and cheese shop in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey. He leaves the chiefs. He goes to Piscataway. He opens up the artisanal Mac and cheese shop. The chiefs have an open job. Everyone wants a chief's job because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. He's locked down. You got Kelsey. You got a pretty good defense. You got enough weapons. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin and Mike Vrabel all put their applications in breach. Who do the who do the Patriots pick? I mean, who do the Chiefs pick? Probably Belichick. I don't think so. I just it, it, if you're a team like the Chiefs or really the Chargers, you're in that you know Belichick's old. He's going to want to win now. There is he signs a three year deal and he says I'm going to win a Super Bowl in one of these three years or I'm just done. You're like that's it. That's all. That's that's my terms. Agree with it. And I think he's probably the first one. Who do you think it would be, Wilson? You clearly don't agree. I think it would be Vrabel or Tomlin. I mean, that's crazy. Tomlin's 50. Vrabel's, Vrabel's a little younger than that, I believe. Um, Belichick's 70, 71. He's what if he went back to Cleveland? Reed. I think that would be an interesting one. That actually, I could get behind. And uh, Browns fans, I know, would probably get behind it as well. 
bring back Rabel, bring back Rabel's, uh, Rabel's forty eight, by the way. Yeah, so he's a little younger than Tomlin. All right, onward and upward, boys. Let's take a Although, break first. Here, do we want to take a break? Here, is that the plan? I think we want to take a break. Break, break, break. Let's take a break. When we come back, Wilson will tell us what's next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All righty, boys. Oh, man. So Harry is not a fan of the Eagles as I read the rundown here. The Eagles offense isn't as good as it should be. Although they look, they look good at times. We saw Jalen get into it, throwing the ball down the field to, to A.J. Brown. Uh, the running game is what the running game is. The defense is what the defense is. And that's what Harry notes uh, in the second half of the, the run down there. It doesn't matter because this defense is, is pretty freaking amazing. Um, Breach, how do you feel about this team? Because they have not hit on all cylinders. And the teams that we've talked about previously that have had some L's on the schedule haven't been hitting on all cylinders and have gotten embarrassed at one point or another. I mean, this isn't the Cowboys. This isn't the Bills. This team is 5-0 and in back-to-back years for the first time in team history. Yeah, I think that is the ultimate point here is that even if the Eagles aren't winning as impressively as they were last year, the thing is they're beating the teams they're playing. They do it in all sorts of different ways. They're, they should change their name to the Chameleons because they just adjust to whoever they're playing, and they beat them. They can beat you whether it's running the ball, passing the ball. Uh, if Jalen Hurts is off, then their defense will do it. So, look, if the wins aren't as impressive, 5-0 and is still 5-0, and and I think that is the bottom line here. Uh, and, sure, you look at their schedule, and you're like, eh, Patriots, eh, Vikings. And, and I thought this was probably their most impressive win of the season. They yeah. just kind of had – you had the Rams have one big drive, really, at the beginning of the game uh, – Rams scored a touchdown on their first possession and then only scored once the rest of the game. And, and Philly's defense really took over. Jalen Hurts had a huge game, over 300 passing yards, over 50 rushing yards. So that's it. They just kind of punch you, and then they hit you with the jab a bunch of times until you want to quit, and it's working. Well, uh, yeah, I would say like a, a couple of things. One, I mean, maybe push back a little bit on like, – I, I do agree with the, the, the idea that the offense hasn't been great – like you feel like the the Hertz passing attack hasn't been what it was last year. Um, you know, you look at the stats though, and then you're like, well, that's weird. Uh, AJ Brown, 127 receiving yards. Dallas got it 117 um, on 14 total targets. Got it had the touchdown as well. And then Hertz was their leading rusher, 15 carries, 72 yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift, 17 for 70. And then Kenneth Gainwell, seven for 17. Nothing like to write home about, but like. One, I think this Rams team is better than people give them credit for. And two, I don't know. This this felt like the the Rams brought their best effort for this game at home, and and, and we're leading it. Uh, were they leading it half or were they? Yeah, they're up fourteen nothing. No, excuse me. Uh, the the Eagles had that touchdown. Oh man, this is a crazy. Uh, the Eagles were in field goal range, down fourteen to ten, and we're clearly going to kick a field goal. But with seven seconds left, the way the, the things played out, they get the ball with the first down, first and goal on the like seven or eight. 
with seven seconds left. Throw it in the end zone, get pass interference. There's two seconds left. So you have one play remaining. And Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart are completely agreed. There's no chance they don't do the brotherly shove slash tush push right there with two seconds left to, at the half to go up 17-10. And it feels like that kind of flipped the game because they got it, obviously. It's an unstoppable play at this point with what they do. But it's like... I feel like the Rams brought their A game and the Eagles still just had too much for them. You know, it felt a little bit like Niners Cowboys where you've got this team that's like, yeah, yeah, we're involved in this NFC battle too, but they show up and then they're like, we just don't have enough firepower to play with these guys. So I'm looking at last year's stats compared to this year's stats and uh, 4.6 yards per rush through five weeks this year. Same as last year. Um, Passing yards, 240, 241, so those are the same as well. Where things start to, to separate themselves is, is uh, in the red zone. So red zone last year, they converted two-thirds of the time. This year, they're only converting forty, just over 40% of the time. So that's perhaps where the discrepancy is. Brian Johnson also taking over play calling from Shane Steichen is waiting to hit his groove. But I think these are, you know, like we like to say, these are rich people problems. These are good problems to have. And one of the things I kept coming back to when I was watching tush-push success after tush-push success if Matt Canada only ran the tush push, this team would probably have four wins right now. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. All right. So we're not concerned about the Eagles. Nah. Uh, best team in the NFC after the 49ers? Uh, 40, 49ers. Uh, yeah. Eagle, 49ers, Eagles, Lions. I throw out Rams, Rams, Cowboys, four and five. How's your list breach similar or? different uh as much as i jumped off the cowboys bandwagon and said they don't think <laughs> they can win the super bowl i would still probably put them as the third best team i think if they played the lions tomorrow as wilson loves to say on a neutral field in mm -hmm. manitoba canada nice that uh the cowboys lions lions would be favored i probably pick the cowboys though. so all right let's uh one word answer each neutral field manitoba canada detroit versus dallas Lions. Dallas. Jesus. All right. Tampa versus Dallas. Same field. Dallas. Dallas. Seattle versus Dallas. 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 I'm taking yeah. Seattle in that game. So I think the, the, the message is after San Fran and Philly, it's wide open. What about? Well, I think, but the other thing is like you have the upper tier of the Eagles, really just the 49ers by themselves. Then a slight, slight below that. Yeah. Brenton Eagles. And then, and then the next tier is like Lions, Cowboys, but way down there. Yeah. Uh, so what if uh, in that very same field in Manitoba, Canada, San Fran and Philly? What's that line? I think San Fran is minus three, and you get a lot of sharp action on Philly. But also the Eagles defense isn't as dominant as it was last year, and I, I think know, the 49ers would have a little more success. They, they, did, do, they did win today without Fletcher Cox, though, which is pretty impressive. Jordan, yeah, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are a problem. Yeah, that's that's – that like, clogs things like, up in the middle, so the perimeter would have to be a real, real quick. Before, just I think we should move on because we're like halfway through. We we said we'd be moving faster, but shout out to Howie Roseman. Like Jason Kelsey's going to retire, they're going to have it won't be as good, but they will have a succession plan for him. Landon Dickerson can move over. Uh, the guy behind him, Kelsey talks about, is really good, and, and the coaching, the offensive line is excellent. And then defensively, Fletcher Cox is going to retire, and they're going to have Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Like those two dudes are a problem in the middle. All right, let's go to the Lions, where I said before the season that Jared Goff might be the second-best quarterback in the in the conference, and he's getting competition from future Hall of Famer Brock Purdy. He's outplayed Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts at this point, not Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter is probably <laughs> in the running for MVP. 
But um, the Lions He's, put an absolute whooping on uh, the Panthers, and there are any number of reasons for that, to the point where uh, our buddy Joe Person at the Athletic, who's, Athletic, who's covered the Panthers forever, uh, wrote a, uh, six things that could possibly change and the likelihood they'll happen. The number one on the list was fire Frank Reich. He said, this probably won't happen, but David Tepper has been known to, to have a quick trigger. So we'll see, man. That's a mess over there, but that has nothing to do with Detroit. Detroit demolishes team. Jerry Goff is playing at a high level. And we just talked about they're in tier three-ish in the NFC, but they're going to the playoffs. It certainly feels that way. Brinson, where are we on, on this Lions team? All right, here's my Lions hot take. I think if I were repicking it right now and wanted, and you know how I like to be a little controversial, but you know, it's a hot take too. If I were repicking my Super Bowl matchup before the season, I would pick Dolphins versus Lions. That's who I think makes the Super Bowl as of today. I don't think that's controversial. You said oh. much more controversial things for sure. Oh, good. Uh, the Lions, we've talked about this at length, are built in Dan Campbell's Im- image. They're built through their the trenches. The offensive line is stout. The defensive line is stout. Aiden Hutchinson is a freak. Like, talk about it like an all-time, like, hey, Trent Baalke, maybe you shouldn't have been so mad at Jim Harbaugh and just drafted the best player. Uh, it just happened to be coached by him. At number one, the offensive line, the, the run, David Montgomery is like a, a revelation for this team. Josh Reynolds is playing awesome. Sam Laporta is making people forget that they traded TJ Hawkinson, who's a stud. And Jared Goff, were it not for Jalen Hurts, would be the best quarterback in the NFC right now. And I think he's Matt better than Stafford, Jalen Hurts right now through five games. I, I think Brock Purdy is number one. You could argue that Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC right now. That would not that, that maybe that's the hot take. Uh, this Detroit Lions team, like let's think about their season here. They have uh, week one go to Kansas City with all the expectations. You're playing the defending Super Bowl champions. There's really no reason that you you know you're not you're a seven you're a touchdown people, underdog. People are mad that they got picked for the week one game. Exactly. <laughs> they take care of business against, against the Chiefs. Week two, they come home and they play the Seahawks and it goes to overtime and we're like, all right, they maybe this is the real Detroit Lions. Well, they buckle right back down and stomp the Falcons in week three. Like, I mean, they, not really stomp, but like snuff the Falcons out. Week four, they go to Green Bay with Jordan Love sort of flourishing and absolutely bludgeon the Packers. And then week five, and this is, remember, like our, our buddy Aaron Schott said for years in Football Outsiders, uh, Wilson, that it, a sign of a really, really good football team is that you smash inferior opponents. And the beatdown they put on the Panthers today, like the box, the, the, it's like 48 to 24 or something like 45, 24. That doesn't do it justice. Like the Panthers, the Panthers scored two touchdowns late and they were absolute garbage time. Nobody cares about it. The Panthers had were not involved in this game. They were beaten in every aspect of this game, utterly and completely. Jared Goff was locked in. The running game was rolling. The defense was playing well. Um, the, the Lions, the Lions, I think, are the third best team in the NFC. And I think they're closer to Philly as the number two than they are to Dallas as the number four. I'll just say real quick, because Brinson just covered the lines a lot, is that every week I get more concerned with Bryce Young. The guy looks like he's in over his head. He had two ugly interceptions in the first half, and he, he, he threw a pick on a screen pass. On a screen pass, yes. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, but when it's every single week, that, that, it's, that's it's tough, problem. man. You're right. No, it's and tough. so when you're looking at the rest of the quarterbacks taken, 
uh, you're the Colts, and you're like, well, if Anthony Richardson can stay healthy, we feel good about him. If you're the Texans, you're like, oh, we feel really good about C.J. Stroud. If you're the Panthers, you're like, oh, my God, did we blow it with the number one overall pick? And it's only five weeks, and nobody's jumping to conclusions, but you can't be thrilled with what you have seen I'll say so this, far. Breach, and it's uh, self-flagellation on my part, but every week I go back and watch all the rookie quarterbacks as we talk about it on the podcast with, with Spielman for the draft. Bryce played better last week. But he still had the stupid fumble that cost him a, a fumble six from DJ Wanham. They had the interception today at Aiden Hutchinson you talked about. Had another interception where he didn't see the, the defensive back today. Um, and those things can't happen. Now, look, I've been criticizing the wide receivers for not getting open. Thielen played pretty well today. Offensive line stinks. Chandler Zavala left on a stretcher. Luckily, he flew back with the team. So he apparently is going to be okay, hopefully, long term. Uh, but that didn't help their cause, losing their their guard. So there are a lot of concerns. But Bryce is up there, man, and there's no two ways about it. He has not played well, and I don't know if it's a case of CJ wouldn't play well in Carolina or not. But that's they they trade up to get him, and now they got him, and it, it, they got some things to sort out. And, and one name real quick, Brent, I don't yeah. think you mentioned was David Montgomery. He looks like one of the smartest moves of the offseason was adding really him. He, and they gave him Jamal Williams, who's a touchdown monster last year, and added Montgomery, and he he's like Jamal Williams, but souped up. And you look at that, yeah, they get most, most rushing touchdowns in the first four games of the season. Montgomery six, Jamal Williams six from last year, and then Barry Sanders was six in 91. I, I think just really quickly on the Panthers, um, when my, like, I was doing a, a, a VEASAN hit with, like, the Vegas radio station last week, and, like, I'm talking about, like, my mom and my dad are texting me about Frank Wright concerns. So Frank Wright, you were officially on the hot seat when Ann and Bob Brinson are, are worried that you are a problem for the Panthers. And real quick, one commenter said, Carolina's offense looks pretty good when Andy Dalton was in. And that is not my burner count. That is our friend Al Bundy, who once scored four touchdowns in a game for Polk. sure did. If if you had a burner count, it would be Andy Dalton. Hold on one second. I just wanted to follow up. Joe Person also wrote in the athletic breach that maybe you start Andy Dalton because that was the only time. Uh, that they he threw fifty seven times. That's the only time that they really got things going. So that's also on the table. by, By the way, if Carolina ends up with a one or two pick. And the bear, like, let's say Carolina ends up giving the Bears the number one overall pick. They would have, in theory, given up Caleb Williams, DJ Moore, Jalen Carter, who they could have taken at number nine overall, and two second round picks for Bryce Young. Yes. Yeah. That okay. is the situation. All right. So it looks like producer Harry is not fond of teams that are five and zero and four and one because now we're going to go to Minnesota home of our colleague, Cody Benjamin, who was in the locker room after the game, seeing Travis Kelsey limp around, mm. and also Justin Jefferson limp around. That's another story. Producer Harry Wonders Breach, is it time for the Chiefs to hit the panic switch? Because their offense isn't quite as electric as it typically has been. I have been guilty in the past of questioning this team early in the season when they got off to a slow start. I learned that lesson. So until they are dead in the ground, no way they can come back. I am not hitting the panic switch, but you may feel differently. Yes, that is the Chiefs tease us every year with some bad start. Everybody writes four and one. (laughs) No, no, I'm not this year specifically, but the offense is the same conversation we had with the Eagles where the offense doesn't look as high powered. And so it's like, uh, have they lost something? Is this, did did everything finally catch up to them? When they lost Tyree Kill, was can they rebound? Oh, well, they did because they won the Super Bowl. And this year it's a little different because they don't have. The, the receiving talent that they've had, they lost, I think, what, Juju Smith-Schuster was their leading receiver last year? Yikes. Uh, and, and won the Super Bowl. 
Right. That's where I'm going with this year, though. I'm saying that now you have even less t- receiving talent than you had last year. I, I think they have. Not, I think they have. Uh, but you also more. have Travis Kelsey banged up. Yeah. Racy Rice, so, Rice looks that, like he might but, be better than any of those guys. But that was not my ultimate point. My ultimate point, though, is that the big shuffle came this year on the offensive line. And I feel like that part of it has kind of slowed things down because the unit has not been as good this year as it was last year. So if they do have an issue, that's their issue. And a lot of times offensive line, they kind of just build chemistry as the year goes and they get better. So theoretically, the Chiefs will get better and you won't have to worry about this. But that is the definitely what you want to keep your eye on, especially since Juwan Taylor just doesn't even know how to stay on sides. Didn't have any issues today, but did uh, for two different games. So I think the O-line is what you keep your eye on. But for right, right now, it seems like the Chiefs are fine. Yeah, I, I think that the so the Chiefs scored 27 points, beat the Vikings 27-20. Mahomes 31 of 41, 281, and two touchdowns. Not much in the running game. Kelsey, 11 targets, 10 catches, 67 yards, and a score. And then you had Justin Watson, Rishi Rice, Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony, all with a bunch of like sort of poo-poo platter receiving stuff. I just don't think I, I think the Chiefs at four and one. I think that what the Chiefs Here's my hot take on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the new Patriots. They have this ensconced superstar Hall of Fame all-time quarterback on a reasonable contract that is team-friendly. They have one weapon. And for the Patriots, there's always like Wes Welker or Edelman, right? But it's for the for the Chiefs, it's Travis Kelsey, who yeah, is just unstoppable. They have this like little cavalcade of interchangeable running backs who they can swap in and out that do like Pacheco's aggressive and physical. Jarrett McKinnon, if they if they're trailing, can come back. They have a defense that's playing above its head, even though you don't really understand why the pieces work, but they kind of do. And they're stacking wins early and figuring things out as they move along. And at the end of the day, when all the dust clears, the Chiefs will be the one seed in the AFC and they will win the Super Bowl or be hosting the AFC Championship game and maybe get really unlucky. Is that your hot take? I just think, no, my hot, no, my hot take is the Chiefs are the new Patriots, and this is going to happen for no. the next 10 years. Because you had the Jaguars being the number one seed. In the no, I said it was a good bet. Okay. I just want to clarify. That was your bold prediction. I, I the, Look, the Chiefs are 4-1. Are you one. off the Jags, Brenton? Are you off the Jags? <laughs> no, I love the Jags. Chiefs are 4-1, and one, and we're all like, man, the Chiefs, are we worried about the Chiefs? It's like, no, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. No, I'm just reading the question that Harry wrote down. So I know, and I'm answering. I don't but, think Brenton's worried Harry, about the Harry's a good follow, Harry's a good follow-up here. He's like, do the Chiefs scare you? Well, I was going to say this. Are you more concerned about, concerned in quotation marks, about the 4-1 and one Chiefs or the 5-0 and oh Eagles long-term? Let's say that you let's say the Bengals and Joe Burrow figure figure this thing out, get to the playoffs, and um, who do you not want to see on the other side? Breach. Yeah, the, the Chiefs. Okay, you can handpick okay. your opponent. So, you don't want to play the Chiefs. Exactly. So the the Chiefs still scare you, but they don't petrify you the way that they might have with Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. They're they're, 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 they're they are like the Patriots so many different times. Under Belichick with Tom Brady, they reimagine themselves as they went along. And you're like, oh, I guess this is finally it. They don't have the weapons. It's like, oh no, that's Ray Shea Caldwell catching 15 catches in a playoff game. Like that's what the Chiefs are. So I'll ask again: Are we more concerned about the Chiefs in quotation marks or the Eagles right now? I'm more concerned about the Eagles than the Chiefs. Breach. Uh, I'll say the Chiefs. All right. I'll have the deciding vote. And, I'm uh, not concerned, though. I'm not concerned. Just if I had to pick one of those two teams. I'm not concerned. worried about the Eagles either, but yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. What's next? What was your vote, Wilson? Be the deciding vote, please. I will cast that vote 
next week. Ooh, what are we doing uh, the Super Bowl draft? Have by the comeback way. for that teaser. I don't know. I'm have to do it at the midway point because we missed the quarter poll. All right, let's go. How you want to abandon football. the rundown completely and just do a Super Bowl draft like no <laughs> 20, 2019 that. style? <laughs> we could do it Tuesday with Briscoe. There you oh, go. Oh, that's a good call. Good call. Let's get Briscoe in on it. Yeah. In the meantime, let's go to South Florida. Ooh, I love South Florida. So, Harry is a Dolphins fan, and he is bringing the, the high heat with this headline. Rookie running back, number 28 in your hearts, in your, in your playbooks, number one in your heart, Devon Achan is your 2023 offensive rookie. Oh, forget that. He's your offensive player of the year. Brinson, where are you at on that? That was my hot take. Is he's not rookie of the year. He's the player. Like this dude is unbelievable. Look at these numbers. And we, if you're watching on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash at NFL on CBS. If you're not watching and you're listening on Spotify, we appreciate you. Give us a five star review. But for those listening, I'll point this out: the NFL rushing yard leaders, David uh, Devon A. Chan. Ever since he changed his name from Chan to Chan, it, it really messed me up. 460 rushing yards. Chris McCaffrey, 459. Zach Moss, 445. Travis Etienne, 396. David Montgomery, 371. Now, the difference is, of these guys, here are their rushing totals. Montgomery, 80 rushing attempts totals. Montgomery, 88. Etienne, 95. Zach Moss, 89. CMC, 80. Achan, 38. He's averaging 13.8 yards per rushing attempt or at least he was earlier during that game he is this Miami Dolphins team is nothing but speed they are a 1980s like drug running speedboat and like that like that should be their like mascot this team is the fastest team i've ever seen assembled in the modern nfl like even more than like the Tyreek Hill Chiefs like every single skill position guy mostert Tyreek Hill Achan uh, Waddle, like even Tua is pretty fast. Like this is the fastest team I've ever seen. Breach. Could you even imagine Brinson announcer looking into the tunnel and be like, "Oh, here comes the Dolphins mascot, a drug running speedboat." That would be insane. I don't hate it though. I like the idea. What if instead uh, of a dolphin head, it's like a speedboat? <laughs> even better. <laughs> but to your point, uh, I did the math real quick for you, and after this game. HN is now averaging 12.1 yards per carry, which is an absolutely absurd, absurd number in the NFL. I, like, I don't think Brinson, Wilson, or I could average that if we were playing in a game against toddlers. Like That is how <laughs> ridiculous right. that number is. And so what he's done, you just don't see rookies, especially rookie running backs, kind of take the NFL by storm. And so I, I don't think it is that crazy to look at him as the early favorite for not just offensive rookie of the year, but offensive player of the year. Um, you know, the one thing about this game is that the Dolphins, I think one of the worries is always, well, what if Tua plays one of these bad games? Well, he had his first kind of shaky game. They still won by two touchdowns and it wasn't even close. So it is the, their defense played well. Their defense didn't give up a single touchdown. The only score came on that 102 yard pick six that the Giants have. So the longest score of the season so far, number one, number two, it was the first touchdown uh, the first turnover that the Giants had gotten all season. And the other thing is, Tua threw two picks. Uh, they had a fumble. I think Achan, Achan or Mostert fumble. I think it was Achan fumbled. So they had three turnovers and still lost. Daniel Jones got hurt. Um, we talked to Achan. I asked him at the combine. I said, have 
have you ever gotten caught like when you were like seven or eight years old? He goes, I don't even know what it's like to get caught from behind. I've never <laughs> in my life experienced anyone running me down. As uh, producer Harry notes here, if you're listening, puts up a tweet from Info Research, Devon Achan has more touchdowns, seven, in his first four career games than any player in the Super Bowl era. Shout out so, to Mike McDaniel for making that. So happen. just just to be clear, you – I'm not making fun of you. I'm, I've, I'm struggling with this so badly. Going from a chain or a chain to a a chain, a chain. It's but, right, but it's like a hard. It's, it's one that's a hard thing to get my head around. Two, you mentioned being walked down. Did you hear that a chain a chain went up to Tyreek Hill after he got walked down on that? He started. He was on the right side of the formation. Catches a quick ball, darts up the middle, and he's like diving good left. He gets walked down, uh, and and Devin Davon comes up to him. He's like, "You got caught. What are you slow?" And then Tyreek, after the game, actually revealed that A-Chan is the third fastest player on the team behind Tyreek Hill and, quote, a white boy who, or a white guy, I don't remember how Tyreek said it, who's on their practice squad. I don't know who he is, mm. but Tyreek says that he's the second fastest guy on the on the Dolphins between Tyreek, Tyreek one, uh, white, random white guy on practice squad two. Harry, producer Harry, what's his name? Harry doesn't know. I'll That's tell fine. you what, HN is going to be fourth because uh, number three on the list now, Breach, Chase Claypool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about my favorite Wilson, Zach Wilson, right after this. All right, boys, down the home stretch here. Breach, you're the, I've always said it, you're the Nathaniel Hacker to this podcast. How does it feel to get the big win today, get the game ball after the game? And what in the world was Sean Payton thinking back in July when he was flapping his gums about Nathaniel Hackett sucking and the offseason Super Bowl champs being the New York Jets. Well, first of all, it's quite the compliment. I got to be the offensive coordinator for the NFL MVP a few years. Uh, and now I got to get revenge on Sean Payton. Um, I'm just kidding. This That wasn't nice calling me the Thaneo Hackett of this podcast. But, but you know what? The Thaneo Hackett has to be loving life right now uh, because what Sean Payton said in July didn't make any sense. You never hear a head coach railroad uh, somebody else in the coaching profession like Payton did. And so I'm sure Hackett, he was dabbing all his teammates after this game. He was clearly thrilled. Got a game ball. They won. Got a game ball. But you know what? Hackett finally did the smart thing. He said, I'm not even going to trust Zach Wilson. I'm just going to let Brees Hall do everything. And that's essentially what happened in this game. Brees Hall with 177 yards and a touchdown. And look, that's how the Jets have to win games. It is you play defense, you give the ball to Brees Hall, and then you pray that Zach Wilson doesn't mess things up. And that is what they did today. And it's a recipe that could work. I don't think it will, but at this point, the Jets don't have any other choice. Reach, when you said pray, I immediately went to Herm Edwards. In this case, you pray to win the game, and that's exactly what pray they have to, to do. So, Brent, so what's the best-case scenario Hammer. for this Jets team? I mean, obviously going to the playoffs. What's the best-case scenario with Zach Wilson, uh, who Harry described as turning into a pumpkin, which is uh, appropriate given that it's almost Halloween? But when you said pray, I went to MC Hammer because you've got to pray. Just to pray. Just you got to wear your parachute pants. Gotta pay pray, pray, pray. Just to make it today. One of his underrated. Yeah. God, Hammer, was Hammer was legit. Man. Hammer. Yeah. When Hammer was. When Hammer was, Hammer, don't hurt him. When Hammer and Vanilla Ice were the hottest things on planet Earth, that was what a time to be a small child. You're like, this is the peak of music in America, obviously. Um, Hammer and Vanilla Ice were awesome. We need to get in Hammer here, on the rule halftime show. I. The jet ceiling, I think, is a really good question, Wilson, because I don't know that like 
Like, I don't know how high you can say it is. Well, Brent, let me ask you this. How many points are they going to beat the Eagles by next week? Negative, 40, negative 42. But negative coming, out of the, coming out of the bye in week seven after they lose to the Eagles at home, they have four games, three are on the road, but it's at Giants, which is not on the road because that's at home. The Chargers at home, at the Raiders, and at the Bills. If they lose the Eagles and they fall to two and four, can they go two and two and be four and six and like lingering? You know, it's like in the hunt. Can they be in the hunt after those four games? I feel like they can. Yeah, but what does in the hunt mean? I'm trying to figure out what are we gonna. What's the best case scenario for Zach Wilson? Because next year it's going to be Aaron Rodgers' team. And I think I think I think the best case is nine and eight wild card surprise, and you lose in the first round. All right, that sounds about right. What do you think about that breach? Yes, I mean they went seven and ten with him last year, so I don't think he's better. So calling that. nine and eight as the best case is ridiculous, but worst case is four and thirteen. And let's just mention briefly before we move on, Russ Wilson isn't necessarily the problem. I'm not sure Sean Payton is the answer to any of the questions being asked in Denver. So what are, what are we doing with that whole operation? I don't know what you do because their biggest problem in this game felt like it was the defense. I mean, you're giving up 234 yards rushing. Uh, that's a huge problem. Their other big problem is they can't hold a halftime lead. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the stat up here that the Broncos have lost 10 consecutive games that they were leading at the half, which is an NFL record. The it's not it was their own record. The previous record was nine held by them. It is now yes, 10 yes. held by them. Uh, they were winning this game 13 to eight at the half and then just got their doors blown off in the second half. And it is the thing is that uh, it feels like these games are will come down to the wire sometimes and you see Russell Wilson make a dumb play in the fourth quarter. You automatically want to blame him for the loss. In this case, it was losing a fumble that got recovered and returned for a touchdown. Uh, but it, 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 feels just, like, it feels like Sean Payton isn't actively not making the Broncos better. <laughs> like, I mean, like it, he, the, uh, the, the dragging the Jets thing aside, you motivated the Jets. You literally motivated an Aaron Rodgers list Jets team to play for Nathaniel Hackett, somebody that like it doesn't appear that really anyone other than Aaron Rodgers likes. And Breach pointed out in week one, you know, he like cuts his kick, trades Brandon McManus, and then brings in Will Lutz or Lutz to, to kick for him. That mistake happens. You have the multiple special teams mistakes. Um, and it's just like, the other thing too is like you, you know, like this, this new, these new, like this younger, like generation of like the way that people respond to stuff on social media. Every single thing about Sean Payton of the Broncos is Drew Brees made this guy. Like that's every reply these days, and it feels a little bit like the stuff that happened when Belichick and Brady split, where it was like Belichick is washed because he doesn't have Brady anymore. But like, what's the argument for Sean Payton? He's that, that's your guy. You tell me. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's I I think he's still a good, a really good head coach. But buddy, this is going poorly. I mean, and they, the other thing, breach. Maybe Brinson, you mentioned the the turnovers that have sort of plagued Russ. He had the drop kick fumble that was returned for six to end that game, and then he goes to the sideline, and old Sean Payton's giving him the business. And Russ turned and said something. I don't know what he said. He it felt he, like he walked by him. Well, he turned his head and said something as he walked by him. But my point is that it, it, it wasn't like he reacted, but Sean was certainly reactive and then had to go, you know, say that he didn't want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett after the game. It got so bad that the Jets tweeted out the picture of, of Kevin James 
And it says, when you lose to the quote unquote off season champs, and that is, and then sauce Gardner tweeted out jets nation. Let's ride and put a, a horse head on, yeah. on the tweet. So, you know, that the whole, the word got out in that organization was pile on as much as you want. <laughs> after that, on, win. Yeah. no one's going to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever. Social team, go crazy players, be mean on Twitter, do whatever you want. Somebody yeah. might get fired for not piling on enough for the yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like the Jets, I mean, the, I mean, the Broncos season so far, they lost 17 or 16 to 17 to the Raiders at home in week one. You lose 33 35 with that crazy commander's comeback. You, the Dolphins drop a 70 burger on you. You have to storm back to beat the Bears on the road 31 28. And then you lose by double digits at home against the Jets. Like, this team could be like four and one. But if they were, no we would way. be calling the well, they just they've lost these games by like they could be four and one if they were actually the San Francisco 49ers because they, they would find a way to lose the game. If they were but I'm just saying, I'm saying like they could be like they could be or they could be three and two or four and one, like realistically, just because of the scores. And we would be like, this is the biggest fraudulent team on planet Earth. Like they would be more fraudulent at three and two and four and one than at any point last year for the Minnesota Vikings who had a negative point differential. There you go. All right, what's next? Vikings offensively are doing well. Kirk Cousins isn't the problem, but that's not what we're talking about next. What we're talking about next, the AFC South, as I like to say from time to time, talking about other things, usually receivers and coverage, is wide-ass open. Like, it is up for grabs. Brinson's team, the Jaguars, are crushing it in London, but they got to come back to the States. The Texans lost today, but I love C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson's been hurt three times in four games. Got hurt again, left with a shoulder injury. It's an AC joint injury, I believe. So that doesn't seem to be a quick turnaround unless he's got the the same guy, Mr. Miyagi, who fixed, fixed Joe Burrow's calf. So, Brinson, where are we on the AFC South? What are we going to make of it? What does it look like? So I actually wrote about this in sort of the Sunday pile. You can check it out on cbssports.com. If you click on it, click on it 11 bajillion times because I want the clicks and I'm trying to catch breach of traffic this month. Yeah, they tell me I'm nipping on his heels. <laughs> 11, billion pay, 11 bajillion page views behind him. Um, so I think here's where I'm at on the AFC South. The Jaguars are good and they're going to be in the mix for one of the top three seeds, top two seeds maybe in the AFC. <laughs> I love this. Uh, breach miss, of the game. Miss, this breach. It's like think about think about what this. If you're watching on YouTube.com/slash at NFL and CBS, it's the picture of the man. I think in a Jaguars, the person, the person, the person yeah, in this costume, which can best be described as a three-piece suit on the blazer. The, so the blazer is navy blazer, standard with a navy uh uh uh. uh bowler hat that he also has in conjunction with this outfit. There's a, a green teal vest, teal and gold vest underneath, and then a leopard skin uh, button-up shirt with a teal a bow tie. There's a British flag, a Jaguars teal and gold captain uh, patch, a Jaguars pen, two other pens, I assume one is a British, another British flag, and then a, um, teal, a, a leopard skin or Jaguar skin pocket square. This person is also wearing a is it Jaguar's mask or face paint? That's face paint. A full this Jaguar. All out. This person probably spent eight hours while the the bills were trying to work off their jet lag. This guy was drawing. <laughs> I, I think I think there's also face. a leopard skin or a Jaguar skin ascot involved. 
There are some yeah. uh, there's some yellow teal eyeglasses and uh some kitty cat uh like a little a little bow thing that goes on the kitty cat like the, kitty, the ears kitty cat ears and it and a and a, and a and a bowler like this is the most inter- like if you ran into this person in real life you don't want them to know your name or your phone you number jag- or your address. you can buy a jaguar's print ascot on etsy for $25 might get it and just wear it on the next podcast anyway go. the point being is this person super fan and the jaguars a legitimate team. The Colts, I think, are good, but I cannot get past Anthony Richardson having three significant injuries that cost him either two of them. The last two, he left the game and didn't come back, and the last one, the concussion, he missed the next week. The first one, they said he couldn't come back in. All in design runs in three different weeks in the first five weeks of his career with a, with a head coach in Shane Steichen who loves to run his quarterback. It's extremely concerning for Anthony Richardson's future in the NFL short and long term. Otherwise, I kind of like the Colts, but the Gardner Minshew thing is kind of nice. The Titans, I don't know what the hell to think about the Titans. They either get blown out, they blow somebody out, or they win or lose a really, really, really close, weird one-score game. And then the Texans, I think, are the sneaky team who could slide in as a wild card at like the seven seed with the Jaguars winning the division because they should have beat Atlanta and have mostly looked kind of stable throughout the year. I think D'Amico Ryan's, if you get him above eight to one or anything about five to one, honestly, it's probably a pretty good look for coach of the year. Yeah, that feels about right. It is the Titans are the unpredictable team. The Texans are the dark horse. And then the Colts are, do they have a quarterback situation to survive the season? You hit the nail on the head. And then the Jags are the favorite because they're the team that was just in playoffs last year. Pretty good description of the AFC South, huh? So, Breach, what would, uh, what, would the, what would the Colts record be if they started Gardner Minshew with the entire season? Undefeated. They'd <laughs> never right. lose. Correct answer. Could they, get, that, could they get a, could they get a, uh, a third-round pick for them if they were 5-0? Oh? More than that now. More than that now. Joke's on I, you guys. I the thing is, I, you would get a higher pick for Gardner Minshew than you and the Cowboys gave up for Trey Lance. That's the world we're living in. Yeah. I also think that, like, at this point, this is this here's a hot take for you in the Colts. Gardner Minshew is untradeable. Well, yeah, they, I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's not a hot take. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm just saying, like, you get fired if you trade Gardner Minshew. That's the hot take. Like, you, like, Gardner Minshew is the only reason you're not just, I mean, because usually, like, you lose a quarterback like, like Richardson for three games and you're dead. Yeah. He's, um, He's won two games now. He won the the Colts, uh, the Ravens game in overtime, and obviously won this game. And he's zero and zero. It's All right, uh, or one of them maybe. Breach, you lived in San Francisco, Oakland area. Let me ask you this, and then we'll get out of here. Brock Purdy makes uh, eight hundred thousand dollars this a year. Can you live off of eight hundred thousand dollars a year in the Bay Area? No. Uh, I would say you cannot. When I lived Jeez. in the Bay, so Brock Purdy lives with a roommate. That's what he revealed uh, on the Today Show last week or this past week. Uh, when I lived in the Bay Area, I lived with three roommates. Uh, that is the kind of crap you deal with. Rent mm. is so insanely high. Shout out to Jake, Chris, and Karen, uh, who actually just got married. So congratulations. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you live. I, that, that's what you have Congrats, to do. To Karen. And then you feel like, what are you supposed to do except move to someplace cheaper? But if you're an NFL player, you can't do that. Brock Purdy can't move to phoenix and then shuttle to work every day on an airplane so you got to do what you got to do he's also, he's also stuck playing california taxes and did, right did karen get married or did karen marry chris or jake 
Oh, no, she got married. Chris and Jake are the other two roommates. Okay. All right. Congratulations, here on Karen. Fun fact here. Eugene Thank Cyril. you for clarifying. Eugene Cyril Smith is my guy, but I got a new guy. Oh, boy. Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth. That's CJ's Ooh. first name. It's awesome. Coleridge, All right, boys. That's Bernard? it. Are we, are we doing no MVPs? Oh, we can do a Brinson VP since I breached his fun fact was uh, the Bay Area. Mine was CJ's full name. Oh, What's I, your I was Brinson just planning VP? based on what we'd. Uh... Yeah, okay, I don't like... really have one. Okay, oh, actually, well, you know what? I'll go. Uh... Thanks for asking. <laughs> no, no, I got no. I got one. I got one. <laughs> I got a Brinson MVP. Brinson it's VP. A Brinson VP. Not a Brinson. Brinson VP. B BVP. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I like it. He yeah. balled out, dude. He balled out. He had a great game at home. Not everybody. He never else. loses at home. You said that last week, and that that held true. So suck it, everyone who doubted my Falcons pick. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. That is it. Congratulations to producer Harry for his Dolphins continuing to dominate. And Karen for getting married. Shout out to Karen. <laughs> That's it. This edition of Sunday Night Super Friends is a wrap, but don't worry. We'll be back here Sunday night. In the meantime, you can check out all the Pick 6 podcast all week long on YouTube and NFL on CBS or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Brenton. Thank you, Breach. Thank you, Producer Harry. And we'll see you guys later.